Hello, welcome to Love Your Van Life podcast, and I'm your host, Madison Monroe Curtis. I'm so glad that you returned for another week of whatever life experiences I've had within van life, which means I live in a van full-time by choice, and I get my electricity from the sun, and the world is my backyard, wherever I can legally park my home. It's pretty awesome. Last week, I might have sounded a little down, because I have been. Depression and anxiety are two things that it seems like everyone just struggles with these days. And we do, because we give it life by breathing into it, with our thoughts, with our actions. So you gotta fight it. So last week, I was asked, was I quitting van life? Was I breaking up with my partner? You know, what was wrong? But it's just, cause I'm down. And it's okay if you're down today. Let's just work together to find that joy that exist. What are you grateful for today? Today we're going to talk about sobriety. We're going to talk about if you have extreme dietary needs, can you do van life? Can a diet be what takes away your pain? And doing that by talking to a brand new van lifer who just bought her van last week and I got to experience the whole thing. I sit down with her on her couch because she let two strangers she had never met or talked to before come stay with her in her downstairs Airbnb thing and has just let us completely in. Go grab a coffee, whatever you want, to wet your whistle. I encourage you, if you're able, to go on a walk, go sit outside your porch, or clean your kitchen, you know, something that you're going to feel even better about physically when we're done today. So if you want to see how I live outside the box, how everything works, living in a small space with a partner and a dog, working on the road, and having an endless realm of community, then stay tuned. Welcome to Love Your Van Life, Christina. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. We are in your epically sexy house cabin <laughs> thing, which is how we met because you just let us stay here um, for a few days, which has now turned into maybe like two and a half weeks because it's so Who's cozy. counting? I know, not, not us. We're not going to keep counting. But you are on the couch with your cozy cats that you love so much. I'm just glad they're quiet. <laughs> <laughs> this is rare because they're not running around and climbing all over the house. Yeah, they're four months old and they are more than rambunctious. Well, they are being peaceful, but if you do randomly hear sounds or screams, it's probably because <laughs> they're climbing a ladder. But we will inform you if that happens, so just be warned. Um, <laughs> what made you invite two strangers into your home? Well, um, you met my sister at PodFest, and I guess she kind of vouched for you, really, but she's been talking about you guys ever since that weekend, and, oh, I met this great van life couple, and you have to meet them, and blah, 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 and I followed Instagram way back then. That is so cool. And all of that stuff, and then... Shout out to Sarah. Thank shout you. out to Sarah for um, even thinking of this, because it was really her that was just like, hey, they're in your area what do you think about having them stay? And it was a great time because I've got my room set up down there and nobody was staying in it. And I haven't gotten to socialize in months because of COVID. So I was ready. Yeah, because you were supposed <laughs> to stay, you know, away from everyone and not mm -hmm. go places. So you've been here kind of alone the last yep. bit? Yep, very much so. What is, oh, your morning routine is to go to your favorite coffee shop or one of them and get your beverage. Yeah. And then you take like a relaxing drive with it, right? Yeah, pretty much. I go down to the little drive through and get my latte and then I drive around Mary's Lake on my way back home. It's beautiful. A good way to start the day. I vouch for that beauty because you let me tag along. Yes. And we are in Estes Park, Colorado, which to me is an even better and smaller Gatlinburg. Um, I don't think you've ever been there, I you haven't. said, mm -mm. but it's kind of the 
Estes Park of the South. <laughs> so, but it's, this place is magnificent and I can't get enough of it. Everything's in walking distance or one wheel distance. And you have a cool, what bar just down the road that you can bring your own food. And yeah, I love that just place. Just chill. They have a, what, a food truck that comes? Yeah, they have food trucks. They have all those outdoor picnic tables. Just like really cool ambiance. So it's just a nice hangout spot. The barrel. We haven't gone, but we may get to check it out at some point. It's always can... so busy right now this I time know. of year. Yeah, no one's wearing their mask exactly. when they're sitting. So it's kind of risky. But um, we're going to take this moment to talk about what we're drinking. Okay. Since um, we're in this relaxing situation. What are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking a citrus green tea, iced green tea from Ziggy's. And I tasted it, which is very good. Yes. (laughs) Um, I'm drinking, I went to this, what would you call that, a flea market? Where there are all these tents and they're bringing their artistic goods. Yeah, like arts and crafts fair sort of deal. Well, for the first time, I bought way too much stuff at one of those things. But one of them is this CBD lotion that feels like an icy hot patch, but it is just amazing. It takes away all the pain that I've had so far in my lower back. And then I'm drinking something that I picked up as well from the same company, and it's called Aspen Grove Tico. It's from Farm to Cup CBD tea. And you liked it as well, right? Yeah, delicious. I think we'll have to try that again tomorrow. Okay, first, we're going to continue a little bit about Estes Park. So what is your favorite things to do or see here, if anyone found themselves traveling through the area? Oh, my gosh. Um... Thinking of it like that, like as a tourist, there'd be so much. I mean, it it really depends on the kind of person. A lot of people just come here to shop and eat, you know, because the whole downtown is all the cute little souvenir shops and different things. And I've never seen so many taffy candy stores. Yeah, taffy stores, candy stores, tons of t-shirt shops and all the touristy stuff. Um, We have the Stanley Hotel which is the huge, beautiful, historic hotel. The big white and red yeah, one. Yeah, I don't know if you guys way. have even checked it out yet. Not in but person. It's, it's beautiful. The lobby is just gorgeous. Um, is it free to go in and look around? Yes. You just can't go um, into the guest areas. You have to stay in like the lobby. But it's beautiful. Stanley Hotel is cool to check out. As you have seen, we have lots of wildlife here. Yes. <laughs> so there's elk everywhere right now and deer um, but the, some are five feet tall. The, yeah, the, and the elk are all over the place right now, so that's always fun. Um, the mountain views from basically everywhere in town. Um, and then lots of hiking. If you, you know, want to go into the national park, there's tons of hiking trails and lakes. And oh, yeah, the Rocky National Park. That, Rocky uh, Mountain National Park. Yep. And we went up over Trail Ridge Road, which is one of the coolest things to do. And feed the chipmunks and yes. look at the views and everything. It's They'll the, climb on your lap. It's the highest paved road in America. Um, and that's only open in the summer. Can um, you tell us about the pass situation? What you recommend doing if you are just going for one time? Or what the pass Over the National Park? Um, well, it's super different right now with COVID. Um, where they're doing these timed permit entries and everything. Normally, it's just having the National Park's entrance pass, which you can just, you know, pay to go in for the day or whatever, but I always have a National Park's pass because I go to so many of them and all the over the country. And the daily pass is $25, mm-hmm. plus you do the $2 timed entry, entry. Right. But your pass is what, like a one-time $80? It's $80, per, but it's per year. It's for per the whole year, year mm-hmm. but then it's for every National Park and associated place like National Historic Sites, Lake Shores, monuments, all of that, everywhere in the country. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. We don't have one yet, but we're going to. We just haven't added those on our need-to-see places, but they need to be. I mean, I, I was blown away with the view and the weather. They are, and every national park is so special, and that's kind of my thing that I geek out over is I have the national park's passport, and I go to as many of those sites as I possibly can. Do you think it's ever worth going to the same one more than once? Absolutely. <laughs> I've, I've been to Rocky Mountain since I live near here. I mean, I'm closer now than ever, but I've lived in this area a long time. I've, I'm sure I've been at least 100 times. At least 100. Oh, wow. yeah. Because um, we're talking like 12 years of time probably around here. Um, 
But there's been plenty of other parks that I have visited on my travels more than once and would still happily go back to again. Because sometimes I think once we've done, been there, done that, you kind of write it off as check. But if you get the opportunity to easily go somewhere a second time, especially at a different time of year, it's probably Absolutely. definitely worth it. So sometimes I drink Jack and Coke, you know, and stuff like that on my, <laughs> while I'm doing my podcast. Um, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. So I think because this is so important and you just celebrated your freaking one year of sobriety. Yes, I did. So congratulations to you. Thank you. I have a friend and she and her husband are also um, sober and she just put out this really amazing vulnerable video on Facebook about, um, you know, to defeat the the norm of where people feel like they have to be ashamed if they're trying to get sober or that they want to get sober. And she's like, no, let's, let's cancel all that out and just speak up loud about it. And uh, I think she's been sober for two years now. That's awesome. But, um, you know, the battle's never over. She said it's a, you know, it's a daily battle still and, um, to not have any mood altering substances. So how's that going for you? Man, I, (laughs) I could talk forever (laughs) about this. I need to be on a a recovery podcast or something. You could start but, um, it. But it has been so much to me. And sobriety is a different journey for every person that takes it. But for me, it has been truly about recovery. But I don't think of it as recovery from drinking. I think of it as recovery from all the things that I went through in my life that led me to the drinking. Because really drinking isn't a problem. It's a solution. It's that that's what I've heard so many times, but it's so true. It's like, that was my solution to all of the daunting, huge, overwhelming, sad, all of the hard things I had gone through. And I kept trying to recover from them and trying to recover from them. And then when I found alcohol, it all became a little bit easier for a while. So truly like I stopped drinking, but the drinking isn't what I have to recover from. It's all of the other stuff. It's learning to cope with it, to um, face the hard emotions and the overwhelming stuff, and to realize that when we try to escape our problems by drinking, we don't ever escape them. We just avoid them for a little while. And that does absolutely nothing to make them better. And oftentimes we're making our lives even worse through the consequences of the drinking. So, It really doesn't provide us anything, but we feel like it does in the moment because we check out. And then the problem can get worse and worse and worse because as soon as you sober up and realize, hey, I still have all of these huge problems and still don't know how to solve them, you just drink more and drink more often. So it's a really slippery slope. Do you think sometimes it's not even the drinking, the alcohol in your body that, like you said, makes you maybe feel a little bit better for a little while, depending on if you don't go overboard. But do you think it's also the the activity of drinking, the, the movement, just sitting down with that cup or going out with that, that drink, your favorite flavored drink? And then is it meditation or do we convince ourselves that it's meditational in a way? No, I, it's not for me. I mean, everyone is different. But for me, it was just about not thinking about things, not being overwhelmed, not having, you know, the sadness, the pressure, all, all those things. It was just an escape. Um, when you're getting sober, it can feel like that. Like, oh, I have to have something in my hand and like all of that. That's part of that process. Okay. But that has nothing to do with why you want to drink in the first place. Nobody wants to drink just so they have something in their hand. Mm -hmm. But when you are trying not to drink, that can be part of like the recovery process definitely was for me. But I learned in the recovery process, what I really had to do is actually fix problems, you know, instead of escape them and to start addressing all the things I've been through in my life. And what can I do in my life right now to feel better, to fix problems, to face things, to work on myself, to work on the whole like self-love journey has been a huge thing. So my recovery has been, I would say very minimally about not drinking. It has been far more about actually like recovering from everything else, Mm -hmm. putting in the work that needs to be put in to find my happiness and my joy and my 
um, healing, I guess, mm-hmm. from everything. And yeah, it took me a little while going to meetings to understand when people would say they were a grateful alcoholic. And I get it now because all the things I was struggling to figure out before I started drinking and I just couldn't get there in my recovery from alcoholism, I finally figured out how to address those issues. And if I had never developed a drinking problem, I don't know that I personally would have found that path because I already was in counseling. I was already trying so hard and I just couldn't get there. But it's been a really radical shift in thinking and the realization that I got to face all of these overwhelming emotions and actually change myself in order to change my life. And I'm super grateful for that because I've come farther in the last year since I quit drinking than I ever did in, you know, seven, eight years before that. And you, yeah, you weren't always considering yourself as an alcoholic. You even told me the other day that it took, when you went to AA, you didn't even know if you were actually an alcoholic or not. Yeah. And then what, what happened when you started going? Well, really it was between going to the meetings and hearing other people's stories and then realizing that once I quit drinking, how much I was feeling the urge to. So I wasn't sure the first time I walked through those doors. I knew I had some sort of an issue that I needed to get under control, but I wasn't really sure if I was an alcoholic. And you go into those rooms and you hear way worse stories than your own usually. And it's easy to think, I'm not one of them. And then you hear someone speak up and say exactly that, like, don't think those things. And when you come into these meetings, instead of listening to how you're different than everyone else who's talking, listen to what's the same. Mm, and I started doing that and it was very eye-opening. But was what was more eye-opening than that was once I quit drinking, it was only then that I realized every time I was upset, Every time I was angry, every time I was frustrated, every time I was sad, every time I didn't know how to deal with something, I wanted to drink. And you don't realize that when you're letting yourself do it. Yeah. As soon as you stop letting yourself do it, you become really aware of how often that's happening and how you don't really know how to sit with the emotions without it. And that was what proved it to me. And since before me and Tyler and Willow got here, you mentioned that you were completely alone. Yes. Like in solitude, (laughs) unless you went for your morning coffee or you had to go to the grocery store every once in a while or a meeting. Yes. And no one would have known if you just bought a bottle of wine on the way home. So what was that like where you weren't really being account, you weren't being held accountable by anyone else. So it really just came down to you when you're in surrounded by these walls yeah, alone, dealing really with did. all the problems. I don't even know. It was truly, as they say in the program, one day at a time. And I honestly think one of the only things that was very fortunate for me is the first couple of months of COVID when I was completely alone because there were no meetings yet. There was really no one. Um... The store was closing super early. It was cl- the grocery store was closing at like 7 o'clock. And I just am fortunate that I'm the kind of person that during the day, I keep fairly busy. I was never a daytime drinker. But as soon as evening would come and the loneliness and the different feelings of sadness or whatever is when I wanted to drink. So I was just very fortunate that daytime me, who went to the store, never thought about buying alcohol. And then nighttime me, who always thought about buying alcohol, couldn't go buy alcohol because, because the store was closed. And bars were closed. <laughs> and the bars were closed. I mean, I have my favorite bar right here at the bottom of my hill. Yeah. You literally drop so, by it every time you go home. And I can walk there. And, I, you know, last year I did. <laughs> all the time. So it, some of it was circumstantial, although I'm sure that if I wanted to drink, I absolutely could have. Um, but those things were at least working in my favor. And then by the time things were starting to open, the bars were opening, the store was staying open later. I'd had a couple months to sort of get my bearings Mm -hmm. and feel a little bit stronger and everything. Um, But the times of loneliness, loneliness is a huge trigger for me as it is for many people who have a problem with alcohol. So 
Um, and you, you struggle with loneliness before you ever struggled with alcohol. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. Because you live in this house alone and you have, but have you always loved being a loner? No, I hate being a loner. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't know that because you're so in tune with yourself. And, you know, like we've been here for way more than a few days and we're completely okay with, you know, going a few days without seeing each other. We'll, we'll text, but as soon as the other needs something or wants something, then we hang out with no problem. Yeah. But you seem like you definitely have found growth with being alone. Yes, I have. It's, um, it's been an interesting journey. I, a couple of years ago, I was someone who would go into a panic attack basically if I was alone for even an hour or two. And now I can be alone for a week and, or two months, apparently. And that was a totally easy process, huh? No. <laughs> Sarcasm. Definitely doesn't ever seem like oh. an easy process to go from being surrounded by people or needing people to the the aftermath where you're okay with being alone and traveling alone. And speaking of traveling... Yes. The day we met, <laughs> you asked me to go on a very special trip with you down the mountain to Denver to look at your van, your van, your dream van, my dream van. I have been looking since May for the right van. And I had seen one back then I wanted so badly, but the people just hadn't taken the ad down and it was actually sold. And I was heartbroken. Yes. Gut wrenching. Uh, And so this whole time that I've been looking for the next few months, nothing was living up to that van. Um, until, one day, there it was, and you happened to show up the next day, so... I know, and we just wanted to, you know, see each other's face, and you see who's staying in your house, and we kept social distancing, mask on, and then... That didn't last very no, long. No, it didn't, because once you become, like, instant family, then... <laughs> that cat's so funny looking. Um, when you become instant family, you just... And we were basically going to be quarantined in this house together for the next two weeks, so... Right. It worked out responsibly, but... Now that van of yours is sitting next to my van in your driveway. And people Which probably is crazy. Think, <laughs> I know people are probably like, what is with these two giant white vans? Is that a van rally? Like, the I saw that. <laughs> and they're both so big, too. I'm so, I'm so surprised that they fit in here. Um, so congratulations on being a new van lifer. Thank you. And before van life, you've been a full-time RVer. I have. And you've been a full-time houser. Yeah, and I've done it all. And if you don't mind touching, because you ended up in a situation where you were in your RV and then you went across country, but you ended up alone. And how did you feel about that trip? Oh man, that was really something like in the past when I was a full-time RVer, I had a partner Mm -hmm. and, um, different types of RVs. We were full-time, we did different things. Um, I never had done it alone. And so... Fast forward a couple of years and I had just gone through a breakup and was kind of sitting there going, what's the happiest I've ever been? You know, how can I find my happy again? And RV life was the thing that popped into my head because that's the happiest time in my life that I can remember. And so I thought, I'm going to do that for myself. I don't need anybody else. I'm going to get my own RV, you know. And I went and visited a couple of friends who were getting out of RV life. I had known them during it. He's killing me. (laughs) He is just letting you rub his belly as he meditates on you. So, um, they were getting out of RV life. I had known them during it and they were selling their RV, um, which I had seen before. Um, at at one point we had met at like, I guess sort of our version of a rally Mm -hmm. and, they had this 1989 RV, and we were in a 1989 RV, so it was like a thing. Um, so I decided to go see their RV and check it out, and I ended up buying it. And that was out in Pennsylvania, and at the time, I had an apartment and was living in San Diego. Okay. And I had just flown back from England. Not close. Yeah, not <laughs> close at all, and I had just flown back from England um, after this breakup, and then I decided to just go buy this RV in Pennsylvania and drive back to San Diego by myself, and I had to go through Montana 
for some legal stuff I had to take care of. So that took away it being a very direct route. It was Mm -hmm. kind of the farthest way that I could go to go back to San Diego. And um, it was about 4,000 miles, I think, in the end. And I I did it pretty slowly because I was in school at the time online. And I also ended up staying with Sarah for about three weeks of that because I was trying to get my refrigerator fixed. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, you RV, said that, which I never then, really ended up Yeah, I gave fixed. up and just stuck with the Yeti cooler. <laughs> but um, so altogether, I think it was about seven or eight weeks that I did that, that 4,000 miles. Would you and call that trip fun? No. It was probably one of the worst times I've had um, because – At this point in my life, this is about two years ago now, Mm -hmm. I had not addressed any of this underlying stuff of how to be alone, how to love myself, how to... That's why I'm saying, like, I'm grateful for the alcoholism because this is before I drank. I didn't really drink then, and I hadn't addressed how to be comfortable with myself and be alone and deal with emotions. So coming off of a breakup... And then being 100% alone and doing all these things alone that I used to do with someone else and so on and so forth, I couldn't handle those emotions. So every day I was kind of just going through the motions. I'd do my schoolwork. I would do however many, you know, one or 200 miles I decided to drive for the day. And other than that, I was just depressed. You didn't go look at landmarks. You didn't look for BLM land with beautiful views. And you didn't put yourself out there to meet new people? Not at all. I had very little interaction with anybody. I saw a few friends along the way. Besides Sarah, there was also a few other people I stopped to see. I had a friend Mm -hmm. in Ohio that I hadn't seen in a long time. I had a friend in Minnesota that I met up with. Um, I think I think I was dating along the way. I remember going on a couple of dates. (laughs) Wow. Random like one-off dates in places that I stopped through. But dates on the road. Yeah, which was actually kind of fun. Like, that was kind of a fun experience. But, um... That's really cool. You know, nothing nothing crazy. The only time that I actually went to, like, one of my national park sites was when I was in Ohio because my friend let me park in her driveway and let me use her car. I really struggled with the fact that my 28-foot RV... You know, I couldn't have a car with it. And for me, doing that by myself the first time, it was too big to feel manageable for me mm-hmm. to drive it to actually go see things in. And you were used to having a partner that y'all would team up and help park it and everything, right? Yeah. And, I mean, the parking part was fine. It was just that I had no way to have a vehicle because my friends that I bought it from, since there was two of them, one of them would drive the car separately. And okay. they always had a car. That does not sound fun so, to me. I know people that do that, but... I just, I don't want to drive all the time, and I enjoy music, and I'll make sandwiches maybe while Tyler drives or vice versa. Yeah, I really prefer that as well, and, you know, I just, I could have gone and stayed pretty places and things like that, but I was trying to kind of get home, too. Mm -hmm. I had a time frame, and then... I I think if we don't feel good on the inside, it's hard to go enjoy things more on the outside. It is. I just was not in a good place. So it was highways and truck stops and campgrounds. It was nothing special. And I was really mad at myself, especially because along the way and when I finished or, you know, even to this day when I mention it to people, it's, oh my gosh, you must have seen so many things. And what was your favorite thing that you saw? And I'm like, I, I could answer that for you from RV life, but I can't answer that from that trip Mm -hmm. at all. There was nothing worth mentioning. So, and hence van life, you were very, um, set on finding a perfect van for you because of what reasons? Um, well, one of them being the fact that with that RV and not having a car, it was too big. So I knew I wanted something that could double as both. I've toyed with the idea of a trailer that could go with my car or getting a, you know, um, a car that I could tow behind the existing RV that I had, but the financial investment for either of those, um, it just wasn't really making sense. And I also did not want to be intimidated by anything. I didn't want to worry about hooking anything up that I might not remember how to do if I didn't do it for a couple months at a time, Mm -hmm. because I'm just that kind of person who then is more likely to not do it. So I wanted something easy, all in one, small enough, um, 
and I knew I wanted a van. It just offers me all the flexibility that I need to feel comfortable by myself. Um, and your van to is go everywhere. Dope. It yes. has the kitchen. It has the indoor shower, even an outdoor shower. Um, two side what couches, twin beds that you can yes. turn into one giant bed. It has yep. the booth area, comfortable seats, so much storage. It it's has kind of the everything. ideal van. It is. It's um, since I have an RV background, I knew I wanted an RV style van. I'm not the type who's going to build out like a conversion uh-huh. camper van. And then the ones that are completed that someone's done a really nice setup on, as I'm sure you know, are really expensive. Always expensive. So, you know, I've been seeing like forty to $60,000 for these, you know, fully done up camper vans and stuff like that. Um, and I'm really familiar with RV systems from my RV background. So I wanted an RV style van. I wanted you know, a table to work at. So if I'm working from the road or whatever, I have that. And I wanted the ability to have either two twin beds so that I could have any sort of friend join me on the road that might want to. Whereas when you just have one bigger bed, that can be awkward, right? And then, but I also didn't want it to be permanent twin beds so that if I am lucky enough to find my perfect person that wants to travel with me, we don't have to sleep separately. So this one kind of does it all. I (laughs) Holding hands across the van. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people don't seem to have a problem with that, but I I couldn't do it. So I think um, your bed situation is one of the most important things in van life because that is one of the biggest upgrades to not feeling like you're always on the go temporarily. Yeah, yeah. If you're comfortable when you sleep, then you're able to do so much the next day. Agreed. I would say the only concession I made is I always said I didn't want to be in the situation where I have to like create my bed every night. Mm-hmm. I wanted yeah, to be tough. able to just leave it all done up as a bed, and I won't be able to do have that. Have you ever had that, though? Have I you, have. Oh, you have, and you yeah. didn't like it as much? Because I, I know didn't. people are different. It seems yeah. to be 50-50 on the spectrum of permanent bed or bed you build every day. My issue with it always was that because you're in such a small space that whatever you have for your bedding, your pillows, if you have to have a mattress pad, cause like me, I've got to be really comfy. Mm-hmm. Then during the day when it's not your bed, you're taking up so much of your storage space with that stuff. So I prefer having a real bed, but I just can't get absolutely every single thing that I want in a van size thing. Mm-hmm. And this still fulfills like everything that I really think it possibly could. Well, I'm so excited for you to start traveling in it. And I will definitely look forward to meeting you on the road. I feel like sometime next year we may meet on the other side of the country. Next year? Well, oh, wait. Well, it's going to be, yeah, because for me, I'm going to be going (laughs) home to Mississippi for the holiday month. Wait, my van doesn't go to Mississippi? Oh, you are totally welcome to come to Mississippi. I already was thinking about that this morning. I was like, you know, maybe she'll go to Mississippi. I don't really know what she would do there, but see me. And, you know, I would find you a warrant, like, I know you have showers in the van because you have a 30-gallon freaking tank in there. It's pretty cool. But I'll have you plenty of places to park, and we're just going to stuff our faces and dance around a fire or something. I bet there are national park sites out there. Well, if that is where you have expertise that I do not. (laughs) So you have literally taken me to one of my, you know, I've gone to less than five and you're the reason we went to this one. Because like you said, in the van, um, because it's just so tall and big and I would hate to pop a tire just up there when I right. wasn't even that excited to go. I mean, I would never regret, I know I don't regret going. It was beautiful and fun, but I just wouldn't have made it happen if I had to go in the van. So because you took us in your nice RAV4, I got to relax in the back seat. And then the elevation, when it messes with me, it didn't matter because I was comfortable. And, and you didn't have to be driving. Yeah, exactly. We didn't have to drive and make sure we're on the road properly because sometimes that's harder in the van versus a normal sized car. Right. Um, but now because of how just priceless that view is and the road was like you said, it was paved for the most part. And when it wasn't paved, it was super chill and comfortable. And there were lots of people around. So if you did run into a problem, someone would help you. And we got to see that double rainbow the whole way back. (laughs) The, the sunshine rain and then the Best double rainbow I've ever seen. The brightest double rainbow. There's we pictures. We got to watch it the whole time. On both of our Instagrams. So if uh, you want to see this, go to Love Your Van Life or... Uh, life is the adventure with a period in between each word. Yes, because you can't space on Instagram. So <laughs> we'll do that again at the end, but you should definitely go look at that double rainbow. And you could also see what Christina's van looks like. 
It's freaking awesome. Ooh, it's yeah. American Cruiser. I got to put more pictures up. You do. It's a good reminder. I think only the outside is on there so far. And the inside, you just would never imagine is in that thing. I'm in love with it. I still Every time I go in my van, I'm like, trick. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. It's like a mirage. <laughs> From the outside, it looks like a normal van, and then you walk inside, and I would swear it's at least five feet longer. If I go in your van, I could sit in like 30 different places. If I go in my van, I can sit in three. And I, I can touch everything by spinning in a circle. In yours, you have to go down a long hallway to get to the other side. That's exactly why I knew I wanted the RV style. Well, and since you have, um, you know, we both have used the cooler things. I'm still doing that. But you have a mini fridge. I do. And you have a whole permanent stove top and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, you you have a particular diet. You don't just yes. go live off Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Nope, not for years and years now. So I mentioned to you that, you know, I'm from Mississippi and we're known for our food and our weight and our <laughs> grass, I think, and maybe some music. And it's a really cool place, but I could go 10 years like I have and not hear, not meet someone with dietary needs other than being diabetic and still struggling because they want to eat sugar all day long. Sure. And now being on the road, especially constantly traveling through Colorado this last month, every two people out of three that I meet are, um, either just now trying to be healthy, have been being healthy forever. They even have their their kids and their animals on better diets, like gluten-free. What my friend Ash, I mentioned is, uh, what is that word? Silly. She just found out she has celiacs, yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to master that. And, you know, she's had a great positive attitude about it. But when we went to the store together she had to spend a good chunk of time looking at ingredients, you know? And that was really new to me to see firsthand what people go through on a daily basis every time you're hungry. And especially when you're with other people that do not share the same needs. So would you mind touching on that? Because I know it's important. Um, I was already doing RV life when I made these dietary changes. So it was definitely easier before that happened. (laughs) Um, I was a full-time RVer. 2015 to 2017 and it was smack in the middle of that that I made these changes for Mm -hmm. the first time um and I initially just cut gluten and dairy out of my diet by choice but what happens to a lot of people and I was one of them is that as you cut them out you become more sensitive to them and that sensitivity grew and grew to where I actually got to the point for a while luckily it's a little bit better now that I could not eat out because of cross-contamination so Imagine in your life being on the road, not having the option to eat out at all, ever. That absolutely everything that goes in your mouth, you have to make at home. That is so hard because (laughs) what if you're on the road for blah amount of time and then it's one of those highways where the only thing you see for 200 miles is that gas station. Right. And so then you're like, well, I'm starving. So you normally would just get that hot dog or that candy bar, those Whatever you can find or, you know, there's always a McDonald's to pull through or whatever it is and... So you don't do that. You know, over the years, I have learned um, kind of what options I can have almost anywhere, Mm -hmm. but I do pay the price when I do it because I am still sensitive to that cross-contamination and everything. It's like, if I'm in this situation, here's the best choice I can make, but it still isn't necessarily anywhere near as good for me as if I made stuff at home. So I try to make stuff at home as much as possible. And that's why it's super important to me to have those things on the road. I've got to have my own kitchen. I've got to have a refrigerator, a way to cook food. Um, I don't really have the option, as many people might, to just eat out when I don't feel like cooking or when I can't find something. So you have to think ahead. Think ahead. And um, like you mentioned, if um, you have a small gas tank or if you use a lot of gas, you need to think ahead of where you're going to stop along the way so you can't just relax as much. Mm-hmm. So how how do you um, go about, or is it hard to find your special diet needs while you travel? It, it, for someone who would just be getting into that and would maybe say, you know, van life can't be for me because sure. I have these needs. So here's what I would say. Um, of course, it really varies depending what you travel in. You know, I know you guys travel in a a small van with no refrigerator and just a cooler. And then you have other people out there in 42 foot RVs with residential size refrigerators. Mm -hmm. So of course they're not going to face the same issues because if you have the space, 
then anytime you are near a health food store or or you find certain products, you can sort of stock up, especially on frozen goods. But what I kind of learned over the years is that there's two different ways to approach dietary restrictions. One is replacing items with their alternatives, and one is just cutting out those items. So, of course, it's easier if you're going gluten-free, you're going dairy-free, whatever, if you're going vegan, whatever choice you're making, it's easier to replace that product. But what that means is you need access to a health food store or a store that has those options that's going to carry the gluten-free breads, the vegan products, the dairy-free products. Those are not everywhere. They are getting better, and I will say that when I was full-timing, I was very pleased with the amount of options that Walmart is carrying because they really do have a lot of the things that I need and they're everywhere. It's consistent. You know, and, and us as RVers or van lifers can sleep in their parking lots. So it's really great. However, when you're really on the road and you really aren't going to have those options, the better choice is to just cut something out. So instead of replacing bread with gluten-free bread, you are, are doing like sweet potato slices as your bread or cucumber slices as your crackers because you can find those things anywhere. And you said and you it's healthier. better results. Yeah, it's that. healthier because the alternative foods, so to speak, that are the replacement foods, they are highly processed still and full of chemicals. You know, gluten-free bread, while it may be better for you in some ways than regular bread, it's still a man-made, highly processed food. Um, and our body doesn't do the best with it. So um, I actually think that being forced into those dietary restrictions on the road is not the worst thing because it may force you into more the whole foods type of diet where you're just eating real food that's not as highly processed and coming in you know, boxes and bags and packaged. Is that the same thing as Whole30? That you were mentioning um, when I first met you? Whole30 is a specific diet with like a whole set of rules. But when I say whole foods, I just mean foods that are naturally occurring. Mm -hmm. Whole fruits and vegetables, meats, um, nuts, natural fats versus something that we have created and put into a box, a bag, or packaged. And there's chemical fillers and all of that stuff. And talking to you that first day where you, you're actually really educated when it comes to dietary differences and, you know, when it's not just the privilege of choosing to be gluten-free or vegan or something, um, which is still just as important, but some people need it to stay alive or yes. to not have a lifetime of surgeries and mm -hmm. then, you know, other problems because we all know one medication leads to another medication. Yes. And so I really liked everything you had to say about how sometimes food, lack of food can be more lack of pain. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Do you have anything you want to tell someone that was like me and had never heard anything like that? Just to kind of, you don't have to give them all the answers, but where sure. could they start that, that journey where if they have constant back pain that if that's not something that's been normal to them, or maybe just because they're getting older, they might need to just as simple as cut out an ingredient. I mean, honestly, I think the best way I could phrase it that makes sense for absolutely everyone, and I think I said this to you the first day that we talked about it, is that no matter what condition you have, it's not the condition that causes you pain. It's inflammation that causes you pain. And even if you have a condition that you will always have and you can't get rid of, getting rid of inflammation can still manage your pain. And you can have a lot of control over inflammation based on what you put in your body. And I think um, I've been paying attention to coffee and Coke and um, because normally that's a daily, all-day thing that I intake. But my back has been hurting more than ever. And eventually when I can master health insurance and stuff, I'm going to go get that clinically checked out. But for now, when I have what I have... I am seeing some parallel symptoms that in the morning when I start my day with that hot cup of coffee, which I love to do, um, it kind of hurts more. My back starts hurting more. And then same with Coke, if, or especially if I go without Coke for a few days and then start drinking it, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden I just randomly will notice that, oh, I'm kind of hurting, but whatever, that's kind of normal. Sure. Um, so I also naturally haven't been interested in hot coffee. That's why I'm, I'm trying this tea out, which I have taken a long break from. So it's worth trying. And I know the yeah. whole food deal is where you can start 
trying every little thing and you take turns what taking things away and then adding them back absolutely yeah though like the whole 30 diet is what they call an elimination diet which means you take everything out that is commonly known to cause problems you keep it out of your diet for 30 days and then you work on reintroducing it so that you can have awareness of the symptoms that they associate with your body because everyone's different so they there's generalizations of certain types of food that cause problems for people Mm -hmm. um and that's the stuff that gets cut out in this diet but each individual person is different when i did the diet i went above and beyond the diet itself and i had my own personalized food sensitivity test done and i had things that i had to take out that had nothing to do with those and i had things that i could still eat that had nothing to do with those and by following those processes is how I found so much freedom from pain and you can't really guess at that sort of thing you really have to find out what your body can and cannot tolerate and you were skeptical of extremely that you thought that your life was probably gonna be filled with pain pain surgeries bed rest yeah all of it Mm -hmm, exactly and now that's gone yeah I mean pretty much I I've strayed a lot from my diet in recent years. I have not stayed on Whole30, but I have stayed, for the most part, gluten, dairy, and soy free. Mm-hmm. I have a little exceptions here and there on dairy and soy, um, but very small amounts, but I never make any exceptions on gluten. Um, and that has managed my pain at least to the point where I'm not on medication and I can still function like a normal person. When I go like all the way, like all in, and I really cut everything out... I can be pain-free completely. That's incredible. Well, I'm so glad that you found that in your life. And thank you for sharing it. I hope you continue to share it. And that's why I wanted you to bring it up because so many people hear this. I had a message just from this great person the other day and they had no idea that I've met you or that we'd be talking about diets, but he just felt the need when he, when he heard my last episode about being in pain and not really knowing what direction to take. He said that that was his journey, that he started changing his diet and he went from like barely being able to walk to now it doesn't really hurt that's amazing and he's um i think he's older he's maybe in his older year i'm 27 he may be in his 50s i'm not sure so it's like no matter how old you are that it may be something that you need to look at oh absolutely whoever because we're human and our bodies are important and actually it's the older folks that i think maybe even need to hear it the most because they assume i'm getting older this is normal and they don't even think about the fact that they don't have to feel that way. Sure. You know, when, when younger folks like us get into pain, we notice. Oh, we're we should be feeling, feeling this way, right? Um, but it's the older folks that I, when I was a health coach last year, functional medicine certified health coach, that's what I specialized in is helping people with chronic pain. And the older folks that would come to me, it would actually kind of take a while to convince them what they needed to do because they sort of accept that they have to be in pain, but they would go like through those said, diet changes. Like you said, we're always in pain. Our tolerance of pain yeah. heightens, so and you stop thinking But about just it. then there's that association. People know that they get achy and get arthritic when they get older, but you don't have to. And you don't have to just accept that that's how you're going to feel for the rest of your life or that it's going to continue feeling worse. So I would work with these older clients. They'd make the dietary changes, and they'd have less pain. That's incredible. But like you said, everyone's kind of skeptical of that sort of thing because no one wants to change the way they're eating. Right. You don't want to have to work harder or think harder or cook more. So um, you have to want it. You You have have to to want it it and go after it. And believe in it because I think people are much more likely to just try a new pill than they are to invest the time, the money, the effort, the energy, and the belief into the fact that changing the way you eat can take away pain. Um, I think there's sort of a a belief out there that if this was true, everybody would know and everybody would be doing it. But it is true. It's just we have a society that is based around, not only based around food, but based around bad food for the most part. Mm -hmm. And food that is not even real food. We call it, in my industry, we call it (laughs) frankenfoods. Oh, because it's a little bit of everything. Everything's made of chemicals and whatever and kind of pieced together and it's not real food that our bodies recognize. And that's the issue. And so people just don't want to believe it, nor do they really want to give up the comfort foods. People who are in chronic pain can often feel like 
you know, these comfort foods are all I have going for me. It's the only thing I look forward to. It's yeah, the only like happy thing or whatever. So it's Addictions. really, yeah. And it's really hard to think about. I want to, I'm going to stop eating pizza and stop eating burgers and stop this and stop that because they don't even believe that it would really work. And then all you can feel like is you're taking away the little bit of happiness the last thing and consistency got. in your life. Exactly. Yeah. But if you can push through and try it for 30 or 60 or 90 days, you would be amazed. I don't think there's literally anyone on the planet that it wouldn't help. And when you say don't knock it till you try it. Exactly. Okay, so obviously we're passionate about van life, RV life, travel life. You know, van life, they always say you don't have to live in a van to, <laughs> to identify with it. You can bring a car or a backpack. Oh, sure. And it's like the way of life, right? You know, it's it's more convenient than ever to live simple and to have everything with you instead of trying to go to a hotel where it's, $300 a night in touristy places. Oh, yeah. And also, in a time of worldwide pandemic, you know, people were not going out because they're worried about the germs. Mm-hmm. And was the room clean? Was the sheets washed? Well, when you carry your home with you, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you've got um, control over it. So what are some places that admiring future full-time travelers can go to look for a van, RV? Um, where can they start their search? As far as one to purchase? Yes. Um... I'm sure you've probably mentioned before, like Craigslist and Facebook and stuff like that. Um, I happened to find mine on Facebook this time, but I have found things all over the place. Um, But I thought I would mention RV Trader because if you're not looking for, you know, a camper van conversion that you're going to do a build or that someone else has done a build, if you're more interested in an RV type of van, like what I have, where it's already outfitted with all those systems and everything, then RV Trader is a great place to go. And if you're looking for a van in the RV world, that would be considered a Class B, as in boy, RV. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm so unfamiliar with those specifics. Um, I guess I just look at them all when they when they drop by. I'm like, what is that? That's amazing. But it's great when you know what it is. Mm-hmm. So then you can, if that is the one for you, or go when things open back up, go to a tiny home festival or a, oh, a yes. van life rally. What do you call it in the RV community? Um, it really depends. I mean, we could call it a rally as well, just yeah. depending. There's all kinds of different ones, but or just gatherings or because because to find the van life calendar gathering Mm -hmm. um you just go and google and type in van life gatherings of whatever year it is and then they have a very detailed list and directions and how to sign up um so is there anything like that in the rv community um it's more based on individual groups when you're in the rv community like there's airstream groups and there's you know i belonged to escapers which is a great group for our age, anything that's considered working age, as in you're still working and you're not retired, anyone who's doing RV life. Um, so I was a part of that group, and we would have a lot of rallies and stuff. And then you just talk amongst yourselves, and like you said, social media, find yes. people on mm-hmm. social media doing that lifestyle. Exactly. Um I recently heard of this app called Outdoorsy, and it's where you can go rent an RV of any really kind. You just type in what you're looking for, or just go through the images and you pick out the days you want and if they're available you rent it and the app has insurance and you just bring it back clean and I could not believe that people rent out their vans and or RVs. It's actually a great idea too because I can tell you from my experience in RV life now I don't know if you feel this way you've been in your van what three years I think? A year and a half in this and a year in the bus. Okay so when I did it in in two years we probably had four different rigs You know, you don't really know what's going to suit your lifestyle, Mm -hmm. your family, whether it's just you or you're in a couple, you have kids, whatever. You don't really know what's going to suit you until you actually start living the life and you see where you want to go and how you want to do things. So renting can be a great option because until you go and try, you don't even realize, oh, maybe I want something bigger or maybe I want something smaller. Maybe I want to make sure I have a shower You know, a lot of van lifers don't have a shower, for example. And for some people, that's fine. And for others, it might be a deal breaker. So I think renting is a really fantastic option to know for sure what you want before you make the investment. Totally, because you went through four in two years. Oh, yes. And I, when I first got into this lifestyle, when I found my school bus, I thought that that was like the thing that I would die in. You know, it'd be my (laughs) lifetime new home. And we, we converted it and it took... 
quadrupled the time and it was way harder than I ever imagined and we fought way more than I ever thought we would because you know on Instagram and YouTube everyone's so happy and sexy and in shape and then their their RV or van or bus is like the cutest thing ever it's from Pinterest right and Mm -hmm. you know that's not always real life you may be more experienced than others in building but I wish I had known about festivals and renting opportunities Mm -hmm. or even realizing how many real people wouldn't mind chatting with me and maybe letting me come tour their own rig because I never knew what I was looking for. And then when I found it, we just blindly built it and it broke down like a few weeks later, but we still lived in it. And then I found my van pre-done. So sometimes I feel bad that I didn't build it myself, but it's making my dreams come true. Absolutely. So I thought it always had to be the perfect cosmetic dream vehicle when in reality, all I had to do was pack up the most reliable thing I had and go and then just keep learning and growing from there. So I would say like, don't look for something that is perfect because perfect isn't even perfect. Just look for something that is going to do what you want it to do. And then you can even build it out and make it cute as you're living and traveling in it. I mean, this van is not cosmetically inside what I would choose, you know? Right. And someday I can make changes to it or whatever, but I too have gotten to that point. I mean, it looks really nice when I'm on Instagram and I see these beautiful camper van conversions that are all, With the wind you know, chimes. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, nice painted cabinets and cute tile backsplashes and wooden countertops and all, all the things. Yeah. Um, but the reality of the matter is, I'm never going to do that. And so I can either waste my time waiting until someday I have a partner who will do that or I have the motivation and sudden skills to be able to do that or I can take what is ready to go and suits me in its layout and its function and I can go live my life. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day what it looks like as long as it has what I need and takes me where I want to go. I agree. And... I uh, just got zoned out for a second. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking about. What was I thinking about? Hold on. Okay, so, um, oh, I know what I was thinking. So, we talked about how you really didn't enjoy yourself traveling alone two years ago. But right. you don't have this ideal partner yet. Nope. And they're out there somewhere. But you have this van, and you are excited, you're genuinely excited about the possibilities and the future and you already know you're going to be traveling in it in the next what few weeks probably yeah next month for sure and you seem confident I am and that's kind of been a blessing for me with the pandemic this year I've been forced to get comfortable being alone and now I'm so comfortable being alone that now when I think of traveling alone sure I would love to have someone else to do it with but if I'm going to be alone anyway I might as well be alone doing something cool and seeing a new place than just sitting here in my house so, hey, and then, you know, I've had you guys here this these past couple weeks. We went to the, the National Park together. We had a great time. And that just kind of reminded me that there are going to be other van lifers and other RVers out there on the road I can meet up with that might want to go see something I want to go see. And I can find that enjoyment that way of shared experiences with other mm-hmm. people and just have some faith that that's going to happen. Yeah, you're going to meet amazing people. I never would have thought a month ago I'd meet you and then be living with you. Nope, me either. And, and now you're a lifelong Didn't friend. even know, I mean, I knew you existed technically, but, <laughs> but it's so weird. Now I it know. feels like you've been around here forever. And we'll always stay in touch. And I'm so excited. that, And you're only going to collect more people like that along the way. Oh, exactly. I, I still am friends with so many people from my RV life, even though that ended for me three years ago. But like the most of my Facebook friends are from that part of my life and I keep in touch with those people all the time, even the ones that are also no longer doing it or life has changed for them. But that bond when you have been through that life together doesn't really go away. Well, good. Because I don't ever want it to. (laughs) And um, I guess we have touched everything for now. I'm sure we'll have another conversation on here in the future. Again, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and open and inspiring to people that are either going to be or are in similar situations. Well, sure thing. Here I am. And for people to go check out your epic van and your future travel journeys, it's life is the adventure, right? Life is the adventure on Instagram, yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Christina. I think your legs are probably asleep from the cats still asleep on you. (sighs) I'm just glad that they... 
were quiet for us. <laughs> I know. I'm, I mean, as cute as they are when they are doing crazy jumping jacks everywhere and running around inside of a plastic bag, I'm sure this was much better for the sound quality for all the listeners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we will talk to y'all next time. Thank y'all for tuning in to us, and I hope you have a blessed day. Bye. Bye. And I want to dedicate this episode to someone who is so thoughtful and has been really appreciative and reached out to me through Instagram and even more than that, his gifts. He is an artist. He paints these beautiful paintings that I've been keeping up with him for a while. And I woke up the other day to a picture that he has painted of Willow and he wants to send it to me. I'm just blown away and so honored, and I want you to go check out his art, and then you can also see what Willow looks like. I'm pretty sure you'll recognize her when you see it, and his Instagram is capecod underscore watercolor, so C as in cat, A as in apple, P as in pineapple, E cod underscore watercolor. Okay, definitely go check him out, and thank you so much for my present and I will forever hold it dear to my heart.